0: Welcome to episode 2 of season 5 of Delving Into Dance. This episode is with Damien Gillet, a Belgium-based choreographer and dancer. His work is dynamic and exciting and has been performed all over the world. We started our conversation with a discussion of the weather. I'm in Belgium, I'm in my home. It doesn't happen often, but it's a great feeling. And is it cold over there at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's cold and grey. I mean, it's always cold and grey here. It's kind of the speciality of the country. Grey, especially, it's very grey. Like, December was like probably the darkest month in 80 years in this country.
0: Wow. Well, you're going to enjoy Australia. It's very hot at this time of year.
1: Yeah, just I just can't wait. We had one hour twenty minutes of sunlight in December, just to tell you, to oh, give you a bit of an idea.
0: Very <laughs> nice. Well, last time I was in Belgium, I actually saw um, Babel, and it was I, it was in two thousand and fifteen, and it was incredibly hot, um, and it was short-sun short I, hot it was, weather.
1: <laughs> I, it was in Brussels, right? It was when 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 we performed in Brussels in this in this hall in the de
0: yeah, that's right.
1: Because I, re- mm. I wasn't there, but I, I, I heard about it. I heard it's been a real sauna experience for the dancers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's
1: really hard for
0: So, when did you start dancing? Where did dancing start for you?
1: Oh. <laughs> On the carpet of my living room because I was always using my flexibility to to impress my grandmother. <laughs> uh, but more, more officially, uh, it's I actually kind of I started kind of late. I, I was much more drawn to theater at, at the beginning. I would I was like kind of learning choreographies from videos when I was when I was fifteen. But basically, I I, uh, I yeah I kind of really went into it when I was nineteen. And uh it kind of happened. I was just I was just dancing a lot in clubs and, and the dancers from Ultimales asked me if I wanted to be part of this project. And that's how it kind of changed everything. From the moment I, I start I, I started doing it, it just became a complete obsession. I quit everything else and I and I completely um yeah, that's radically changed my life from one day to the other or to the other nearly
0: what about it was it that appealed to you or what did it feel like
1: well i was i was originally drawn more to theater and i was kind of studying it in the national school here in in brussels Uh, i was kind of more keen to become a director actually at the time and i realized that when i was everything i was doing like more practically when i was at school had always so much to do with the body i mean i was fascinated by by the belgian like you know all the choreographers like. Rosa, Vez were all booming. Alain Platel at the time, it was in the 90s, and I feel it, it, when I discovered the work, it had a, I realized how theatrical and how visceral dance could be. And, and I, and also I was really drawn to Grotowski's work, and suddenly I realized that what I really was looking for in theater had nothing so much, didn't have anything to do with words. It was much more something of the physical presence and how, how the body could, Convey so much, and 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 canalize uh, energies, and and there was something more cathartic for me about it. And I, I when I, I started dancing myself, I, I realized that it it was literally what I was really looking for. Like when I when I was, it, it was like somehow the the essence of everything i wanted to do in 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 the work i was doing theatrically could be come, come back through the body so this is this is how it it started it it was very impulsive very obsessive i i really decided to quit everything from the school i was doing i i went to new york i, I studied there i was really, i was also keen to to push myself to work in in different techniques that were not necessarily connected to anything theatrical so i went really trisha for ballet everything that felt pretty far from my natural you know my natural impulses and i wanted to really expand um my 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 technique but also my my way of seeing dance through through the practice of it and uh yeah so this all came a little bit it was very intuitive in a way everybody was telling me not to do it but somehow i was completely bitten already i was like i was just obsessed to do
0: that that's such a common experience that obsession um to movement and the feeling that it gives people that um i'm not a dancer myself but the way that dancers um talk about it it sounds so intoxicating
1: it's really transformative in a, in a literal way it transforms you physically but also it's makes you feel everything differently. It makes you think the world differently. it makes you think the relationship to the others differently. I mean, it's been a very profound uh, shift for me, like literally, I was much more into words and much more into analy- analysis, which of course helped me in my practice after. But I have to say that for for a few years, I went for for really, really uh, a very strong, very draining physical. Uh, because also for real I started pretty late compared to other people around me so it was it, it became kind of uh, it took over everything in my life at the time I remember it it was something that, that yeah I could it became uh, the main purpose for a well, while I think every dancer that started late especially have, has that that kind of um, passed through that kind of obsessive period it feels that you have to get back all the time you think you've lost away way or what people Things that you've lost by by starting late, in a way. But I I I just know that yeah, that that it's been it's it's very funny because it I didn't expect to become a dancer. You would have told me that at 15, I would have never thought that. But in a way, the way it took over, and I I didn't stop doing it for like let's say 20 years uh, since since then. So it, it's it took really over everything and i think it made me it made me work with the people i was dreamt to work with and it made me go into the place i was dreamt to go but not as a tourist but more as a as you know as a as a researcher as a creator as a as a practitioner so it's 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 just a different way also like dance is calling you also like it's been calling me in every corner of the world in a way and and it's been an, an incredible source of knowledge
0: what are some of the things that can be said through movement alone that can't be communicated with words
1: like I guess in that sense
0: that when we compare theatre to dance they are very similar in many respects to um, each other but also very distinct
1: yeah I mean I, I really do think there is something about the embodiment of an idea that, that somehow that's why I really love to work um, in a very like also when I work with dancers I prefer to to, I'm never really showing step but i just start from ideas and I, I just love to see how those ideas are reacting to the physicality I feel that it's always about trying to for me when i, I create in and I think also when i dance is also i i really love to see dance as a as a place of exploration where you actually try to capture something that is not really conscious something where you where you are literally yeah like a bit like an archaeologist trying to to find things that, that make you realize things rationally afterwards, you know what I mean like the, like a physical experience and and where something that that literally expands your 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 consciousness in a certain way that there is through actually I really hate for example to start from something to to start a piece by you know imagining how it could look like i'm I'm just more keen to. To try to explore things where I would somehow discover things that I didn't expect, and I think dance can really provide that. It can really give you be be a, an, an access to to something that you you know that you didn't quite know or that you didn't quite understand. For example, and to come to the piece that I'm, I'm working, the I'm bringing in now in, in Japan, vessel. It's been. Really amazing to see how, how the body, once you push it into certain directions, when you especially explore its boundaries, how, how can you perceive it? Like where, how, when does it cease to, to look human? When does it, um, when does it start to be, um, connected to somehow, like more to the story of evolution? Like we have so many parts of a body that are related to, that had functions that, that nowadays, um, don't serve us anymore. You know what I mean. There is this this whole thing that in the I'm I'm sorry. You know, it's a very profound question, and I think you want to answer them well.
0: So maybe you could talk about your process.
1: Yeah, let's let's speak about the process of um, of what a vessel or, or in general. My yeah, I guess I make work.
0: I guess how how do you approach an idea or a set of ideas in making a work? What's your process? I guess from the start to developing it through movement. Without that. Idea of an end product.
1: Yeah, I. It's a very intuitive process. So I always start from, uh, you know, it's usually I'm pretty obsessed with one idea when I start uh, when I start something. I have one idea. I don't have twenty. When I make a piece, it's really a reflect of where I am at that moment, where what I have been experienced before brought me into. And uh, for example, with when I created Bessel, it was I, it, I discovered the work of Cohe in. Um, in Japan, in in, in the Aichi Triennale, which is an art triennale that happened in Nagoya. And I was performing there a piece of Beckett that I had done with a, a French director called Limage. And after the show, I, I I went and went to see, because it was just the end of the exhibition, and I discovered the work of Correa, and it was so overwhelming, in the sense that it created this installation that was like 300 square meters, I think, of... In a huge black room, and that was an installation that was entirely made of foam, um, like soap soap foam. And um, wow. the way it was kind of created, the way it was lit, was alive in a certain in a certain way because it was constantly transforming. The way it integrated people into it. Um, was a bit of a revel- revelation for me, and I, and I was really I felt it was at the same time done with a scientific rigor, and at the same time it had something pretty mythological about it. Also, the relationship between organicity and and or it it really said some something essential about organicity with an an organic mean. It was literally soap was was the the main ingredient, something pretty chemical, and I. I I, I, immediately it was intuitive. I, I knew I had to work with him. I knew that we had to do something together. And, um, he's pretty popular in Japan, so it's pretty difficult to reach, but through friends. We have, we have a friend in common who's the composer, Richie Sakamoto, and he, he, kind of really made the contact between us. And it it's it somehow, I, it, I went to Japan to meet him and there was this residency that was just opening in, in, in Kyoto, reopening called Villa Kojoyama. And uh, I proposed him, I say, Kohei, I would love to work for four months in, in this residency so that we would do this in, in, in together. And that would be just a way for us to explore different how our practice can be fused together and how we could somehow be brought into, you know, just create together something that could be really at the meeting point of a two practice where where structure becomes dance, when dance becomes culture, when the two become really undissociable. And um there was there's a lot of barriers when you do something, I mean in Japan there's the language barrier for sure, but there's also culturally things are done in a very different way. The spontaneity is is a little bit like it's things take time, let's say. And Somehow we, we got lucky to, to get this residency, and he was himself very busy. But I felt that once we started to explore um, this potential of, of a common work, it, it became immediately a bit of a, um, it, it started to be a priority for him to to do this together as well. And we, it's, it's a project that took us nearly a, a year and a half to, to bring to, to the actual form that we're going to bring to to Australia. But um it, so it took us a lot of time of experimentation, of talks, um, working also with Japanese dancers and I, I with me came Emilio Sarapoglu, who's a Greek dancer I work a lot with. He was basically the starting point, the, the kind of a mattress dancer for this project. We worked with Correi, we, we we literally we were to find this common point, like this place where those two practice with fusioning, we we explore what what was common in our two works. And I think we, we literally, I mean, there's something incredibly physical in the work of Kohei. There's something that has to deal a lot with the bodies. He already, he, he works also a lot, for example, with stuffed animals that he covers with thousands of, of glass bulbs. Uh, that's, it's, it's very impressive work. His, his work is very much also about cells, about how multiplicity creates unicity, like how one is made by millions of little you know, like cells or pixels when we're talking about the virtual world. Mm. One, one image is made of millions of pixels, Of one body is made of billions of cells. Um, and this, this contradiction, we, were, we talked a lot about contradiction, and one contradiction that was obsessing us was the fact that the body... Is a solid, but is also made of nearly more than 60% of of water, of liquid. So there is this ambivalence, also the the theme of water, water being the cradle of life, but also in mythology, often being, often being the, um, uh, like related to death, like the Styx River in the Greek mythology. In in Japan, they have the Sanzu River, which is exactly the same. It's a river you need to cross to pass from one world to the other. And so somehow we, I mean, working with this contradiction of solid and liquid, it came with, with this material that is very singular. It's something you can cook with. Uh, it's kind of a kind of potato scratch in a way. But when you mix with water, it creates a space that is, if you move it, it's solid, but if you stop moving it, it liquefies completely and it liquefies in a kind of a slow motion way, like like gravity in slow motion or something. Like, And we... We felt we would create that kind of, uh, that would kind of be the bound between his work and, and, and the work that we would develop with the dancers, something that is uh, um, at the same time, you know, uh, like like a cement in a way between between his cultures and the dancers. And that's, that's how we, that's, that's basically how we um, started this process. Um, with Emilius, we also explored very much the. The potential, the sculptural potential of the body. I mean, when you, I mean, I had done in 2013 an installation in Louvre Museum in Paris when I I conveyed like something like 30 artists, like 22 dancers and eight musicians, and uh, when I was there, I was really fascinated, like how sculpture is somehow the opposite of dance. Sculpture is like at the same time they have so much in common. Uh, sculpture. Is, is the closest form of art to eternity in a way? Like you, you have like in Louvre, you have some some sculptures that are like more than thirteen thousand years old, and dance is the most ephemeral of any arts. But both of them have to deal with energy, and both of them uh, somehow portray the body as, as you know, as a, a kind of. A, Temple of Of passions in a way of like or like you know a, a, a canalizer of energies, when you see sculptures, they seem to defy gravity as well there is a, an energy that's contained to them, but they are doomed to immobility and then is a bit the opposite way immobility is impossible to achieve and and the contrast of, of of those two, uh, for me, was really inspiring. Um, and I felt when I did this, this installation, I, I I was thinking that for two hours, we create this kind of contemporary ritual where literally the dancers uh, free the energy contained in the sculptures for, for the time of the performance. And they become kind of smugglers between the audience and, 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 and the sculptures. And so that, that kind of, this process kept on, on growing in, in me, and I felt that that, that when i working, I mean, I've been working a lot with visual artists lately. I worked with Marina Abramovich, who's more a performance artist, but I worked, for example, also a lot with Jim Hodges, an American artist. For me, this relationship with visual arts is incredibly rich, mm. and it bring, brings a limit. It brings a limit that opens a lot of new doors. And... Working with Kohei in Japan and also spending time there to also explore a lot of what this country contains, not only in mythology but also in rituals i mean I, I, I think my the work I developed is trying to be always like the meeting point between uh, it's like a kind of a, between sculpture between performing art culture, and also has this this pretty ritual aspect to it. I feel dance the source of dance is really there it, it's, it came from that it came from also, the, the the will of of, of the human, and, and, and also how physically you can get to certain uh, like an altered state of consciousness. How you can how you can actually transform through um, through movement and through and through through physical um, if it's, yeah practice or at least um, a, a kind of a physical routine. You, that's how you actually. If you go, for example, I mean, I did some, some travels in Bali. In Bali, for example, I. I, I I was really fascinated how dance is really used as a, as a way to enter in relationship with the local gods. It, it's a conveyor. It's a, it's you you get literally possessed by them, uh, and and dance is the conveyor. It's the body is the conveyor, and all these kind of influence the process of of what we created with Kohei. I mean, I I think when when I was there with emilios we also went in the north in the mountains to to meet. I mean i've been really fascinated by by certain ascetic practice that happens still in the mountain of tohoku i think japan is a very animist country still even though those animist beliefs have been kind of organized into um, a religion that is that is more official that is called shinto but basically um, those animist beliefs they are they are still incredibly present in the way the society is organized and i feel there is, um, um, in the north, there is some still amazing practice where some monks called the Yamabushis, who practice Shugendo, practice Shugendo, which is a kind of a... They, they, they believe that the mountain is... Um, I mean, in Japan, mountains have always been considered like gods, and, and for centuries, people were not allowed to access them. But those guys were the first ones to somehow step onto it, and they became a bit the, the, the smugglers again between the world of the gods and the world of the people. And they, they develop a kind of a practice of ascending the mountain, the mountain in a ritual way, and they consider the mountain like a mother, at the same time like a mother and also like a grave, and and this has been a tremendous influence also on the work this this idea of a mattress and and a grave at the same time like this, also this yamabushi means the ones that lie on the mountains the ones that are making one with it so Mm -hmm. there is there is also for me a beauty of the body continuing the landscape and the landscape finding its continuation in the body this this sense of humility also
0: wow that sounds so interesting
1: um, uh, yeah it is it is actually uh, very very uh, fascinating because it's also pretty ancestral it, It's a kind of a practice that was that somehow it got forbidden for a while, but it managed to survive and it's still alive today and I feel that that there is um and when I, I was with practicing with them, I felt that like we understood each other very well on the idea that, that indeed the body is the tool of the experience and it will be a different thing your, your Putting your body on the mountain, it will make you experience different things every day, and it's, it, there's nothing. I mean, they don't really talk about the holiness of it. It's just a ritualized practice in a way. It's very it's very hard. It's really uh, it's really uh, you walk 18 hours a day on the mountain. You you eat very little. You sleep very little. You do you do the zen. You have. A lot of different uh you you do meditation on the very strong waterfall I see one It's it 's pretty intense. One of the leaders is seventy years old and i mean we I did a film with jill delmas who 's a, a film director we We spent some time with them and and it 's been amazing to to just you know and especially knowing that they practice something like one hundred kilometers away from the Fukushima plant. Uh, where you know where literally nature is became nearly an, inaccessible to men, yeah. and still this, this somehow this this sense of respect and, and and humility and and this is 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 even more stronger when you when you realize that physically you're so close from from a nature that's been somehow yeah.
0: Can um, I ask one final question?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: About the importance of collaboration and how you. I guess balance the, or, or manage a collaboration with somebody so it is successful.
1: Um, how do I manage to do collaboration? You mean, uh, what, yeah, I think what there's something
0: just... there's something quite unique in, um, I guess, arts collaborations that the rest of society could perhaps learn from, and everyone seems to yeah. manage a collaboration in quite quite a different way. So I was just wondering about, you know, how do you manage that that importance of collaboration. I'm working yeah, with somebody I mean,
1: the problem, else. Yeah, that's what I really love about dance is the fact that, uh, like, unlike a, a painter that would be alone with his canvas and or a writer alone with his white page, there is something that even though you would sign your work alone, you still work with people. You still work with dancers. You you don't work with tools. You work with humans, and and that already is a, it, whether you want it or not. It's already a collaboration. And I, I love to expand that to work by, with other artists, even with different choreographers. I mean, I've been collaborating a lot with CD Larby, but also with other choreographers like Ernao Mars tiro or, you know, I, I I love collaborations. I feel it's it's the most beautiful way to get out of your comfort zone. It's a way to it's the best way to discover it's a very it's very good for your ego I think also because it just it just pushes you to i mean there's something amazing about collaboration but there's something difficult you need you need to really um, give space to the other you can't just impose what you think you have to be constantly the the idea that the work is a conversation is it come out of a conversation is what I love and I think um there's there's really something you you really expand through 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 that through that through opening to the other like finding a common ground with another artist and both of I mean that's what I love with the I mean you only have to collaborate with people you are really fascinated by that you feel intuitively connected to that's very important I think. Forced collaboration, collaboration that are only working with just because of a name or because of a brand. I mean, all these things, I don't believe in that. I think you need to, you need to really be fascinated. You need to love the work of that other person. You need to feel that it's connected to something. That it, and you need to go together in an exploration. You need to accept that you're not going to do something... Let's come back to what I told you just before, that I don't like to start a process by knowing what it's going to be. I, I'd rather like to go in a process to discover what we're going to create together and to feel there is something that becomes bigger than you, in a way. And I never I never credit myself like being the only... You know, when you do collaboration, you are literally... is It's so many voices joined, so many talents, and all these talents convey and become one work. And I think you... You can eventually carry the responsibility of the work you can eventually channel all these energies, but it, you're never entitled about everything and that thing that that's a beautiful thing to realize in creation that you never you know you're never going to invent it all it's it's always it's it's always a meeting of 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 different and, and a cross bond between different energy talents and and I feel dance you when you're working in dance you're obliged to work this way you're obliged to to go into the unexpected, to let to let uh, other people change you, and other change change the way you're thinking.
0: Yeah, we're
1: doing now. I'm working on a big collaboration. I'm working with still now. We I'm doing on my, working on my first opera, which is Pelléas et i I'm doing we co-signing with Cédilarbi again, and Marina Abramović is there too. And we have Iris Van Vanerpen doing the costume, Marco Brambilla is doing the video, Shonen Bomb the light. It's a lot of very powerful. Uh, I'm talking about the others. They are very powerful people, but, but then together it it makes it difficult. But there's also such a beauty that you always um, it's you are in a pool together, and somehow you let the advice of the others also. You hear them, you you, and then you you go further. Sometimes it goes, it makes things go much quicker. Sometimes the process can get very really slow because you need to keep everybody in the train in a way. Um, but there is an incredible beauty into this, I feel. And, and I feel also that, that the, the collective aspect of it is, is I don't know, I, I believe very much in that. And I, I believe in that since, since I start dancing. I mean, I, 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 even though sometimes I'm not collaborating with, I'm just signing along the choreography, it's still done with a lot of other people. And I, I love to just always be in conversation with other people as the work unfolds.
0: Well, um, thank you for so, being yeah. in conversation with me today. I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. And uh, I hope that give you a little bit of a hint of what we're what we bringing into Australia.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to come with. Sounds like a great work. And I hope you bring your shorts and t shirt because it will be a lot warmer in Australia. <laughs> I will.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew.
0: Thanks for listening to Delving into Dance. You can find a list of episode notes and links at delvingintodance.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, follow on Facebook and on Twitter. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes with David McAllister, Beck Reid and Perth Festival Artistic Director Wendy Martin. Delving into Dance relies on the support of you, the listener. You can contribute as little as $5 on the website. We also acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria. Until next time, take care.